Welcome to the Cornerstone Christian Center Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Jim Tarr. For more information about this podcast and other resources, visit cccbasalt.com. I'm looking forward to the word of the Lord today and the Holy Spirit just confirming the word through the worship, through the prophetic word. I, I, I want us to be equipped. I feel when I come here to minister a real sense, first off, of um, privilege and honor to be able to be a pastor in this wonderful group and community of believers, but also just a great responsibility to all of you as well. It's, it's challenging times that we live in right now, and um, I, I just feel the equipping of the saints is so important right now, even now more than ever. So we're going to turn in our Bibles today to 1 Peter chapter 2, reminding ourselves that here we are talking about believers who merely because they confess Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior found themselves scattered. They were persecuted in the city of Jerusalem. After the stoning of Stephen, it says that a great persecution arose against the believers. So let's remind ourselves that this is a book that I've written to people who have lost everything. The, ultimately, some of them lost their lives. But also remembering that they lost the city they grew up in, they lost their culture, they lost their families, they lost their livelihoods, they lost identity. So many different things all in one moment. And the Apostle Peter is helping them to understand, here's how you can navigate a time like this. So I think, I think it's very important for us to be looking at this today. I, I, I want us to know today that, um, first off, you, I, I'm not saying this from some psycho, psych, psycho babble kind of thing, but I, I do want to say this to you. You are important to the Lord. You are very important to the Lord. You are today loved, regarded, watched over, protected, cared for in every way. And, and God has an eternal plan for you. I has not seen or ear heard all the things that God has for us. The Spirit of God is coming to us today to reveal himself to us and yet we still see through a glass dimly of the glories that are to come and so I want to suggest have that frame of mind as we look at this passage here today in 1 Corinthians chapter 2 I want to start reading in verse 4 and I want to look at some of the labels that God has given to you as a believer in Christ 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 4, And coming to him as to a living stone, which has been rejected by people, but is choice and precious in the sight of God. You also as living stones are being built up as a spiritual house for a holy priesthood to offer spiritual sacrifices that are acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For this is contained in Scripture. Behold, I am laying in Zion a choice stone, a precious cornerstone. And the one who believes in him will not be put to shame. 
This precious value then is for you who believe. But for unbelievers, a stone which the builders rejected, this became the chief cornerstone and a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. For they stumble because they are disobedient to the word and to this they were also appointed. But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's own possession, so that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. For you were once not a people, but now you are the people of God. You had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Beloved, I urge you as foreigners and strangers to abstain from fleshly lusts which wage war against the soul, but keep your behavior excellent among the Gentiles, so that in the time and so that in the thing in which they slander you as evildoers, they may, because of your good deeds, as they observe them, glorify God on the day of visitation. So, Father, I thank you for the word of the Lord, and I thank you for the faithfulness of the Holy Spirit. And I pray, Lord God, that you would bring the revelation of Jesus. Let Jesus be seen high and lifted up. Holy Spirit, you are welcome to take the word and change us and conform us to be like Jesus. Thank you for this in your name. Amen. How do we come to Jesus today? Well, first off, just the privilege of coming to him. How awesome is that? I want to remind us today, it's so easy to underestimate the potential of what God wants to do when we gather together as believers. How important this gathering is to him. I, I want us to think and reflect for a moment. The Bible says that through Christ Jesus, through him, through his agency, through the third person of the Trinity, God made all things, and nothing was made without him. How amazing is Jesus, the one who died on the cross, the one who paid the prices, the one who made us. It's so astounding, and we come to him by invitation to enter into the fullness of the potential of the gathering of the believers I feel like we're entering into challenging times. There's an increasing anti-Christ spirit in America, a, a godlessness that's not just um, local, it's national and it's around the world. A rejection of the Lord and of his truth. As that last phrase said there, it's because they slander you as evildoers. It's because they don't want to receive the instruction of the word of God. Nowadays, it seems like for the first time in my life, I'm finding that simply being a believer and maintaining a Christian worldview causes me to be in conflict with my world around me and with my local government even. And so that's very challenging. It's a new day, actually. A day that I, didn't, I knew was possible, but I didn't know that I would see it with my own eyes. I, I want us to think about this, and we're going to look at this verse, that when Jesus was rejected by the scribes and Pharisees, that he asked his disciples, who do you say that I am? 
And that's the question that I release in this room today. Who do you say that I am? And, and Peter said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And they, you have said that as well. By that confession, you have been saved. You are the Christ. You are the Messiah. You are the son of the living God. You are, you, you've embraced and declared the deity of Christ and that he's your savior and your Lord. And Jesus said this to Peter. Flesh and blood hasn't revealed that to you. You didn't get that from man. You didn't get that out of yourself. That didn't come from you. Do you realize the power and the source that that confession, where it's rooted, where it came from? Flesh and not from flesh and blood. And then he says to Peter, upon this rock, not upon this pebble, not upon these shifting sands, upon the confession of a believer, is a rock on which I will build my church. Did you know that today God intends for you to be a rock? He wants you to be a rock, not shifting stance, saying now is a day like never I've seen in my lifetime that believers need to know who they are. You gotta know it without a doubt. You have to have such a strong conviction that whether the denial comes from other people, from the world, from powerful forces, or whether the denial comes from within your own self. It's time for us to know who we are in Christ and to be bold and to be confident in it. I believe that now is a time when we have to be equipped for the working of the ministry because I, I'm just telling you this from my own heart and from what I sense is that now is a time for believers. This is a window that we have to really know who we are because I do believe that there are challenging days ahead for us. So the first thing that Peter says to these people is that you are living stones. You come to Christ as living stones. Just remembering the fact that they had lost the stones of their homes, the roof over their head, the timber, the safety, the security of their beds, but even ab above that, that they had lost the stones of the temple. If you get to travel with Pam and I in the spring to Israel, you see how massive some of the stones are that were part of the building of the temple. It felt as though that they had lost everything and by ha losing their house of worship, they might have been tempted to think, is there no temple, man? What is God doing? And then Peter has to remind them, listen, every time you all get together, you are the temple of God. You are living stones. I feel like in some ways that we have a long ways to go in the equipping of ourselves for the days in which we might be called to live. And part of that just is because we don't even understand when we come together as the gathering of the saints, what God intends to build. Jesus said, upon this rock, I will build my church. We have to understand at Cornerstone Christian Center, Jesus Christ is intentional on building something. And he would invite us to be intentional on what he's building. When we come together, we come together as living stones, building a tabernacle for the presence of the Lord. That's what Jesus said, that when two or three of you are gathered together in my name, I'm going to be in your midst. 
Do we realize today that the third person of the Trinity who made the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything that is within them would not have received praise in the Roaring Fork Valley if the people of God had not come together? But I want to challenge us today. Did we come together with intentionality? Did we come together with the purpose of praising the Lord? Did we come together to build a habitation for the Lord? Did we understand that when we came together, it was not just about, okay, Pastor Jerry, make me worship today. Go ahead. Give it your best shot. It wasn't that at all. We have come here to bring uh, the presence of the Lord. We are all living stones. You contain the Holy Spirit. When you looked at the temple on the, the Mount of Jerusalem, those stones were not living. They were, they were dead. But when we come together with the, the beauty of what we have right now is... They could take away our buildings. They could take away our land. They could take away everything. But what they can't take away is the fact that we are living stones. And when we come together, Jesus is right here with us. He's right here in our midst. That means more to us than anything else. And the Lord builds on, on the people that have that rock conviction inside themselves. They know who they are. They don't underestimate just challenge myself and to challenge all of us. What was our mindset when we came to the house of the Lord? Was it to build a tabernacle and temple for his very, his very presence? He says we come to him like living stones, which has been rejected by, we come to him as to a living stone, which has been rejected by people in his choice and precious in the sight of God. I think what's really beautiful there is that it says that Jesus Christ himself is the cornerstone that God has laid. And we have to remember, he was a stone that was rejected by the people. But in the eyes of God, it became precious. And the truth is this, is if we are aligned with the Lord Jesus Christ, like every stone of every building needs to be aligned with the cornerstone, we understand this. If you are in alignment with Jesus Christ, you will be a stone which will be rejected, but you will be precious in the eyes of the Lord. And Peter wanted to remind them of that. Peter wanted to remind them, do not let your identity be in any way rooted by the opinions of others who have a problem with your faith and your standard of righteousness. You are defined by the fact that you are loved by God and you are precious in his sight. So precious that he would die for you. You're a living stone following in the journey and the path of Jesus. I lay in Zion, he said, a choice stone, a corners, precious cornerstone, and the one who believes in him will not be put to shame. This precious value then is for you who believe, but for unbelievers, a stone which the builders rejected, this became the chief cornerstone, a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense, for they stumble because they are disobedient to the word. All Jesus did is wanting to obey God and his word. And he was hated for it. But that's all he wanted to do. And on top of that, he was healing the sick and raising the dead and cleansing lepers and doing all kinds of wonderful things. But the point of conflict came down to obedience. Jesus said, men love darkness rather than light because their deeds are evil. Men do not want to obey. Anytime you walk in the light, it causes the people who are dwelling in darkness, it hurts their eyes. But Jesus never doubted, and we're never to doubt. 
But you have to know who you are. Some of us start out with good intentions and obeying the Lord, but somewhere along the way, the voices of people and their opposition and they're discrediting us and they're not not caring about us or valuing what we value can begin to define us. And I'm telling you today, today is a day where we have to know who we are. We are chosen of the Lord. He says, and the next phrase that he gives to us is that we are a holy priesthood. Now is a day like never before where we cannot have this level, this stratification of spirituality within the church. There might be the role of the pastor, but the pastor is not a priest. He's just a shepherd living among the people, moving forward, struggling through life, just like everybody else is, figuring things out, being conformed to the image of Christ. God's working on him. We are all the same in the body of Christ. There is no priesthood. There is no one in this church that has better access to God than anybody else. You are a priesthood unto God and you are holy. Do you know today that if you've received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you are seen as holy when you become when you get before the Lord. Listen, you don't need your pastor does not have better access to heaven than you do. Here's the truth. No one can pray for you as effectively as you can pray for yourself. And if you can't learn how to pray for yourself, no one else is going to be able to take your place. Yes, people can intercede on your behalf. Yes, there's the role. Even in the New Testament says, if you're sick, call for the elders of the church. Come into the place of agreement. Why would you call for the elders of the church? Is it because they're priests? Is it because they have better access? No, if they're elders, they better be believers. Get the believers who believe in the healing power of Christ and come into the prayer of agreement. It doesn't mean the elders have better access. You are holy before the Lord. You need to know that. You know why someday your safety net might be removed from you because God is a jealous God. He might want you someday to be in the position where you realize that you have bold and confident access through the blood of Jesus Christ every time you pray. Therefore, come boldly before the throne of grace. It says that we, like holy priests, come before the Lord and we offer sacrifices. That's what some of us did today. We came into this place. You've been beat up by the weak. You've been discredited, disqualified. You did it to yourself. Other people did it to you. I don't care. What, whatever. For whatever reason, you came into this place. And rather than just saying, okay, let's see if this place is going to move me. No, you came into this place to move God. You came into this place determined. This is a living stones temple under the Lord. And priests, what did they do in the Old Testament? They offer sacrifice. That means you and I came together and we offered the sacrifice of praise. We might be saying, God, it's hard to lift my hands right now. God, it's hard to lift my voice. But one thing that I have learned is that when I praise, I give the sacrifice of praise. I give it up for God. I am not going to give him the praise that I feel like I can give. I'm going to give him the praise that I know he is worthy of. And we come into this place and we make the sacrifice of praise. And then the devil tells us, you shouldn't have your hands up in the air. You know who you are. And you just say, yes, I know who I am. 
I'm called and chosen of the Lord. I have received the righteousness of Christ. And I lift up my hands, why? For the sake of what Christ is doing in the church. For the sake of the one who says, I'm building a church, I'm building a temple, and it's living stones. We come in here, not with knuckle-dragging faith, right? Where we're just walking into this place and not knowing who we are, but no, we come here because when you make the sacrifice of praise, there might be another believer who's been beat up way worse than you have been, or maybe not, but they know what's happened to you and they see you, and what do you do? You create an environment for the presence of the Lord to touch their heart. You inspire them to praise because you made a sacrifice of praise, and then you're praising the Lord, and you look across the room, and you see your brother or sister who is hurting. Well, what did the priests do in the Old Testament. They would go up to the altar of incense and they would light the incense and it was the symbol of the prayers of the saints ascending into heaven. And we came into this place and we loved on each other and we prayed for each other in this place. Why? Because we are all a holy priesthood. This is not about Jim Tar. This is not about what he can do. This is about every member of the body of Christ being a priest before the Lord, helping and supporting one another. Can you say amen? amen. We come into this place because we want to bring spiritual value to the world. We want to be men and women who understand we are not flesh and blood. We are so much more than that. We are spiritual beings connecting to the ultimate spiritual being. I come to the gathering of the saints because it is there that I worship God. Amen. We love his presence. You carry the presence, but as each one of us carries the presence into the house with the same intentionality with which Jesus builds, then we're gonna create something where we can see the presence of the Lord revealed. We are a holy priesthood. He also tells us you're a chosen people. What did Jesus say to us? You didn't choose me, I chose you. You're chosen today. The Bible says this, all of us like sheep, all of us, not some of us. All of us like sheep have gone astray. We have turned each of us to our own way. The Lord tells us prophetically that all of us are wanderers and given the choice, we would not choose God. The power of the fall of man through Adam and Eve was so effective that the Bible says there is none that seeks after God. That's why Jesus said to them, I chose you, you did not chose me, you didn't have the power to choose me. I want you to know today that if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, he chose you. It has nothing to do with whether you chose him last week and this week you strayed. It has nothing to do with that. You are called of the Lord, chosen in him before the foundation of the world. He says, you're chosen people. But I love what it says there because that word people there actually is the Greek word where we get genetics from. He's saying you're a chosen race. You are the race that belongs to the Lord. Here's a bunch of Jews that found themselves being scattered into cultures that didn't embrace them by their genetic history. 
They were being rejected. We live in a culture right now where everything's getting down to race, race this, race that, and you're expected to play the race game. And even if you're a, even if you're a, a business, a corporation, you have to play the race card. You have to keep the racism alive. You know what that is? That's the spirit that contradicts everything that Christ has for this earth. It, 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 it contradicts the heart of God. God didn't want us to be race conscious. God didn't want us to be caring about what the color of a person's skin is or what their heritage is. What has Christ called us to do? Christ has called us to be a part of a new and a chosen race that we all carry, not our, our physical bloodlines, but we carry the bloodline of Christ and that anybody can come to Christ and receive the bloodline of Christ to get his DNA, right? That's what it's about. We don't play this race card thing. Why? Because it contradicts the very heart of God. All of us were created in the image of God and it's so beautiful unless anybody think that we're creating or we're declaring that we are some particular or better race because we are Christians, I wanna remind us how God called the Jewish people. There was a season in humanity when the world had rejected the Lord and God did choose a group of people to carry the prophetic word and the promise of the Messiah. But even in that calling of them, he wanted to let them know that God was not a racist. He said, for you're a holy people to the Lord your God. Just like it says, a, a holy priesthood we just learned in the New Testament. Here's the whole to Old Testament. You're a holy people to the Lord your God. The Lord your God has chosen you to be a people for his personal possession out of all the peoples who are on the face of the earth. The Lord did not make you as beloved nor choose you because you were greater in number than any of the people since you're the fewest of all the peoples. But because the Lord loved you and kept the oath with which he swore to your forefathers, the Lord brought you out by a mighty hand and redeemed you from the house of slavery, from the hand of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. Know therefore that the Lord your God, he is God, the faithful God who keeps his covenant and his faithfulness to a thousand generations to those who love him, keep his commandments. If you're sitting here today and you're a follower of Jesus Christ, you're just like the Jews who were called out of Egypt. And he says, it's not because you were particularly great. It's just because I said, I love you. You're here today for one reason and one reason alone. Because he loved you. And he still loves you. And he'll never stop loving you. This is a group of people that needed to hear that. They had lost so much identity by losing their culture, their temple, their city, they lost everything. I, this, is what I, this is the crux of what I wanna talk about. Do we know who we are when we look in the mirror? Who do we see? Do we see a rock? Again, I'm not trying to appeal to your ego. I'm just saying, God builds on rocks and he can only build on a rock. He wants us to know today that we are the people of God, the blood of Christ flows through us and that the Bible says that through Christ we have received the divine nature. 
It's so, it's so beautiful that Jesus just says to those of us who feel as though we don't belong anywhere, the Lord says, look around at your brothers and sisters in Christ. You're a chosen people. Then he says to them, you're a royal priesthood. We already looked at the idea of priesthood, but he says now that you're a royal priesthood. Jesus has given to you authority as his follower. Jesus said to you, whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. You have heavenly access. You have heavenly authority. The Lord would call us to discover it. I'm telling you, the person will never discover their authority in Christ until they know who they are. That Christ bought it and he paid for it. So I'm looking at this passage right here. It reminds me of Colossians chapter 3, verse 1 says, Therefore, if you have been raised with Christ, keep seeking the things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. The Lord is saying this, is if you're royalty, then live like royalty. If you've been called out of darkness to live in the light, then walk in the light. If you've been called to live according to heavenly values, then live in the heavenlies. If God's truth is your truth, then pursue the truth. Pursue the word of God. Don't have our feet in the world on the earth and then another foot in heaven. The Bible says that that is double-mindedness and will be unstable in all of our ways. The Lord is looking for a people that are all in, that are seated in Colossians chapter 3 with Christ on, at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things that are above, not on things that are on the earth. What if someday God would call us by our stand to lose everything that we have, the Lord would say to us, well then live as the people who seek the things that are above and don't seek the things that are on the earth. The Bible's very clear about it. If any man loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. We gotta be in this world, but not of this world. We've gotta value the things that God values, not the things that the world values. We have to love the praise of God more than the praises of men. We have to get to the point where if God says that's good and even if the rest of the saints don't even understand why you did what you did, you've got to be, you've got to be good in yourself to know that if the Lord said, well done, good and faithful servant, that's all you need. Amen. And that's all you want. He says, you, you have died. Your life is hidden with Christ and God. When Christ, who is our life, is revealed, then you will be revealed with him in glory. He said, you've already died to yourself, so live like it. He says, if you lose everything, know this, that when Christ is revealed in his glory, when the whole world, right now, people can dismiss Jesus, they can disqualify him, they can reject him, they're still doing all kinds of things like that. But the Lord says this, if you live for Jesus, that when he is revealed in glory, and every knee bows and every tongue confesses that he is Lord to the glory of God the Father, you and I are going to be so happy that we aligned ourselves with Jesus because we will share in his glorious moment. Jesus said the glory, he said to the Father, the glory that you have given to me, I have given to them. 
So don't worry about a momentary loss of glory. Jesus wasn't. He was a stone that the builders rejected. But he became precious in the eyes of the Lord. Paul said this when he was writing to the young pastor Timothy in 2 Timothy 2.10. For this reason I endure all things for the sake of those who are chosen, so that they may also obtain the salvation which is in Christ Jesus and with it eternal glory. This statement is trustworthy. If we died with him, we will also live with him. If we endure, we will also reign with him. Endure and you will reign. The next thing he said to us is that we are a holy nation. And this is what helps us to understand this, is that our, this world is not our home. And you, you and I have to remind ourselves of that. Listen, we can go to Lowe's and make, try to make it feel like it's home. But at the end of the day, man, only heaven is going to be home. We can love this country, and I think we do because of the godly heritage that God has given to us. But at the end of the day, my citizenship is with heaven. The American flag is not going to fly over my identity for eternity. No, it'll be the banner of his love is going to be flying over me. And at the end of the day, my loyalty belongs to heaven. My loyalty belongs to Christ. Jesus Christ is my king. Jesus Christ is my president. That's who he is. And my citizenship belongs there. He has called me to be a part of his purpose and plan. Then he says this about us, that we are a people for God's own possession. That has to be our identity. We are owned by the Lord. How many of you watched that show on PBS? Have you ever seen it where people bring their stuff and they set a value on it? Um, Antique Roadshow, thank you. Have you ever watched it? Did you ever watch it where they say, this, this item has provenance? Have you ever seen that when they say that? It has provenance. In other words, it has additional value because of someone who once owned it and who it was, and why they said it had value. So you might have two identical diamond necklaces. One was owned by, well, no one really knows. But the other one might have been owned by Queen Elizabeth. They're the exact same necklace, yet the one owned by Queen Elizabeth has more value because of provenance. In other words, it has a higher identity. It has a more noble history because of who owned it. And the Lord just wants you to know today that you have provenance. You are the possession of the Lord. It's so important for you to know that if God said you were worth dying for, then you were worth dying for. It's so important for you to know that even though other people, you might look like everyone else, that what sets you apart is that God said, you're valuable to me so much that I would die for you. There are times in my own personal history when I feel unworthy to be able to bear any kind of um, association with God. Like, God, why would you be associated with me? And yet at the same time, I just realized as I have provenance. That necklace might be old. It might have been buried. It might have 
needed a whole lot of cleaning up. But I'm going to tell you what, the fact that it was identified with someone who was famous increases the value of what was owned. You, what sets you apart is that Christ loves being identified with you. He's not ashamed of you. In the body of Christ, we have a tendency to throw away someone who has failed in the body of Christ, but it's never meant to be that way. That God would just say, I own you. Here's another thing, too, you have to realize is that if you were going to go and you, you were going to buy some, uh, a, a really nice watch, here's the thing. Would you guy, go to the guy on the street who opens up his jacket and buy a watch from there, or would you go and believe that a watch is really carries the value it should carry because of the store you went to and the expertise of the person behind the counter who could tell you every detail about the watch. What I'm telling you right now is, is this, is that if God saw you and decided that I want for all eternity, that's gotta be rock solid in your life. You gotta know that you know that you know that you are valuable to the Lord. Our lives are up and down. Our lives are a series of successes and failures. Our lives are a story of relationships that worked out and relationships that didn't work out. And all those things wanna define us. All those circumstances wanna tell us, can God use you and do you matter but at the end of the day, only one thing can tell you who you are, that you are chosen of the Lord and you are God's own possession. So then he says this to them, who are you people? You are the ones who have received mercy. Because he says, for you once were not a people, but now you are the people of God. That phrase just like twists my brain. The Bible's just saying, you know what? There was a day when you were not a people. I think there's a whole world of people who feel as though they're not a people. They feel like they're not a person. They don't have the race card the right one. They don't have the holiness card. They don't have the access to God card. They feel as though they have nothing. There are a whole bunch of people in this world who feel as though I, I, I feel like I have no value and I'm of no value to anybody. And there's only one place for that person to go. And you can't go there and you can't buy it. You know, you can't good work your way into it. It says you were once not a people. You were, you, this is how you saw, I was a nothing. And then I met the mercy of God. And God showed me mercy and he gave me something that I didn't deserve. And all that I am and all that defines me is who Christ is and that I belong to him. 
He says in conclusion, I urge you as foreigners and strangers. Wow. I urge you as foreigners and strangers, abstain from fleshly lusts which wage war against the soul. He's telling them, you followed Christ. It changed everything in your life. And this group lost everything. And then he tells them, you feel like strangers and aliens out of place in this world. And he says, when you live in that world then, guard your soul against the excesses of the flesh that are all around you. He says, don't pick up the identity of the world. This is people who paid a price already to follow the Lord. You could have made great choices for the Lord and then the Lord would just say to you, but you know what? If you pick up on the lust of this world and the lust of the flesh and the desires of this world, you're gonna do damage to your soul. He's saying, continue to protect your soul. Continue to value the things that God values. He says, keep your behavior excellent among the Gentiles so that in the thing in which they slander you as evildoers, they may, because of your good deeds, as they observe them, glorify God on the day of visitation. The apostle Peter is saying, okay, you've been rejected, you're strangers, you're aliens, your whole identity, you've learned to let it be completely wrapped up in God. Then he says this, now continue to live in good deeds. Continue to live a moral and a good life. Be excellent in everything that you do. So that the, the world that has hated you, they might hate you for a moment, but there's coming a day when they'll see that by your stand and your identity with Christ, that they're gonna see a glory that's upon your life and that it can even happen in the here and now. I continue to hear stories, I know for some of you, and this is why this book was so important for me, to share it with all of you, that some of you just by being identified with our church that it's affected your jobs. And I know that it's happened to you. And I know it's because your pastor took a stand on something that he believed in. But the mask issue with the kids in the second year was nothing compared to this transgender issue. It's going, it's going full bore. And I'm telling you, it's all rooted in the idea that love is love, right? And that if you do not embrace this ideology, Listen, I'm just gonna say this. You can do with this what you want. I'm not speaking as a Christian right now. If adults wanna do what adults wanna do, then adults go and do what you wanna do. But when you start telling children and breaking their identity with who God created them to be, it's a whole nother ball game. And, and to be silent, you can't. Not, it's, it's about children now. And I, and I know that it's hard for some of you. And I know that someone in our church recently had someone engaged in a physical altercation with them for being identified with our church. But the truth is this, is that in all of this, I just want to ask you a very simple question. When the world gets to the point where it does not want to obey the truth, but also it gets to the point where it wants to demand that you align with their value system. It's going to get hard. It's going to get more difficult. In the middle of all of that, I, I do believe that God in his grace has allowed us a season right now to really know who we are. 
I had to do a, um, a teaching for the Congressional Liaisons for Christians United for Israel this week, and it was on what happened in Germany in the 1930s and early 1940s. And all of us would like to think as though we would have been on the right side of that issue. But when the issue comes, it's very intimidating and it's very scary. Anti-Semitism is alarming in this last week of what's being said by celebrities against the Jewish people. It's just another reminder to me that it's, we have to know who we are. And if, if the world doesn't like who we are, can we still rejoice in the Lord? Can we still do the right thing? Can we do the right deeds? And can we hold on to our faith that lets us know that every act of obedience to the Lord, even when the world rejects his word, will be rewarded and we will share in the glory of Christ. So I, I want to encourage all of you. It's really easy for me. I was the guy who made the final decision on, the, on that got us in trouble with the county. You, you're a community that was very supportive and, and I honor you for all that, but it's easier if you're, it's easier for me because it was my fault. But some of you have had to have, and I know the words come back to me, your kids in school by associating with our church have been, your kids are being rejected. And I'm, and I'm sorry for that. And it's easier for me because I, I bear the responsibility. And it's been harder for some of you. I know some of you at your jobs, you've, you've faced some real confrontation, you know. At the end of the day, I want you to know the Lord is with you. And if you're strong, he'll be strong for you. So we're not looking for trouble, but we will obey, right? At the end of the day, we will obey. And I'm proud of every one of you that has gone to the school board meeting. And, you know, I think back to when I was in college. I used to be out on the beach every Tuesday and Thursday just sharing Christ with people. It wasn't very fruitful, because believe it or not, people don't go to the beach to hear a sermon. <laughs> so, but you know what drove me? The prophet Jeremiah, and I've had it, I'm doing it right now. I had a prophetic word spoken over me that you'd be a weeping prophet. And I, I have that thing where if I, if I sense the spirit moving, it just makes me weep. But the Bible said this, to the prophet Jeremiah that if you don't warn the man in the error of his ways that his blood will be upon you and I know that what drove me out on the beach was that if if disobedience to the word of God is bringing great harm and damage you have to speak up and people don't want to speak up right now because they're saying well it brings a bad name to the gospel the only reason it brings a bad name is it because it convicts people of sin. And you know what? You'll never get a person saved who doesn't know he's a sinner. 
the first thing that the Holy Spirit does is convicts of sin and then righteousness. And I think that the church just wants to talk about the righteousness of Christ, but they won't talk about the Holy Spirit convicts of sin and then righteousness and then judgment. We want to talk righteousness, but we don't want to address sin. And as we think about that, you'll never get a world that, a world that doesn't know that they're sinners will never get saved. The cross makes no sense. Jesus makes no sense. The prophets make no sense. And so we're living in a counterculture right now to the gospel. And when you speak of things, the world will hate it. And then even many unbelievers will say, you're doing damage to the body of Christ. But at the end of the day, you have to be guiltless concerning their blood. The blood of the unborn we are responsible for. The blood of the child being taught that the gender God gave you is not your gender. We will be responsible for not warning the adults this is the wrong way. For those of you who went, I just want you to know the blood of that decision does not rest upon your hands. We weren't perfect in it. None of us were, right? I didn't go through the last two years perfectly. But at the end of the day, one thing that I know is, is that I was obedient to my conscience. And I stood up for our children in our Christian school. So I want to just, I want you to, all to know, you have to know who you are at the end of the day because a lot of people will not understand you. And at the end of the day, only you know whether the Lord said, well done, good and faithful servant, you know? So... Um, that's why that's why this church is who this church is that's why I am who I am and that's why some of you are still here so um, good I feel like there's something that the Lord wants to do I feel like the Lord wants to remove the fear of man from people's hearts. The Bible says the fear of man is a snare, but the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. I pray, Lord God, that you would come and that you would break the fear of man and that, Lord God, we wouldn't live to be praised for the world's values, but that we would, we would live to be praised for heaven's values. I pray, Lord God, that for this congregation that they would be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might, that you would place upon them the full armor of God. You put on them the helmet of salvation, the breastplate of righteousness, the belt of truth. I pray that their feet would be shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. And I pray that you would put the sword of the spirit in their hands, the word of God and the shield of faith. 
I thank you, Lord God. I pray that a spirit of boldness that fall in this church. Just like at Pentecost, Lord, that turned Peter from timidity into a street preacher. I pray, Lord God, that we would be found faithful before you, O Lord. I pray, Lord God, that even according to the prophetic word today, that those who have found themselves um, in a place of defining themselves, that they have shrunk back, that they have, that they have um, recoiled in this world, I pray, Heavenly Father, that you would come and that you would um, strengthen every heart. I pray for our teenagers that are in our local schools, Lord God, that are facing um, accusations of being unloving or unkind, Lord. I, I pray, Father God, that they would just learn, just, just like you've taught many of us in school, that they would learn what, the power of, of standing alone when you have to, and that it would establish in them a, a resolve, Lord, that would last for the rest of their lives. I pray, Lord God, we don't want to be in conflict with our valley. We don't want to be in conflict with our neighbors. I pray, Lord God, that by our good deeds that the people would begin to praise the Lord. I pray, Father, we would be faithful to you in all of our ways. Make us strong in obedience, Lord. Make us strong in obedience. I pray, Lord, Holy Spirit, breathe. Breathe on this congregation. Just breathe. Breathe, Lord God. Thank you, Lord. Let's all stand up this morning with our heads bowed and our eyes closed. Let's, let's um, pause before the Lord for just a moment. I want to ask you, do you know Jesus Christ is your personal Lord and Savior? He's come to save you today. Jesus Christ came to die for my sins and for our sins. Though our sins, the Bible says, are as scarlet, he'll make them white as snow. Though they are red like crimson, he will make them as wool. Jesus Christ loves us just as we are. You can come to him as you are, but you have to confess. We have to confess that we are sinners and we need to be saved. We need to receive the shed blood of Jesus Christ, invite him to come and wash our hearts clean with his shed blood to save us, to forgive us, to make us clean and make us child, a child of God. If you've never received Jesus Christ as your personal savior, I wanna help you get there today. It's not a formula. It's just a way to lead you to Christ like I came. If you're here, say, Pastor Jim, I want to be included in the closing prayer, giving my heart to Jesus. I'm going to ask you just to raise your hand, saying, I'm including myself in this closing prayer, giving my heart to the Lord. And then if you raise your hand, I'm going to invite you to come forward. It's not a formula, but like I said, it is uh, just in line with what Jesus said. If you confess me before men, I'll confess you before the Father. If you deny me before men, I'll deny you before the angels and before the Father. The Lord's not looking for stealth followers. He's looking for those who are saying, I identify with Jesus Christ as my personal Lord and Savior. If you say to me, Pastor Jim, today's my day. I'm giving my heart to the Lord. Would you lift up your hand so I can see it? Just lift it up and then you can put it down. Saying, today's my day of salvation. Anyone here today? God, you are so faithful and righteous, just and true. I pray, Lord God, let your blessing rest upon each person. Let them leave with your presence. Let your glory surround them. Let their joy of the Lord and your peace that passes all understanding keep their hearts and mind. Thank you, God.
bless this church. Bless our fellowship in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. If you're here today and you need prayer for anything today, whether it has to do with the sermon or not, there'll be folks here in the front. They want to pray with you. Come into the prayer of agreement. God bless you all. Thank you for coming. Thanks for listening to the Sermon of the Week. This weekly podcast can be heard on our cccbasalt.com website or your favorite podcast platform. Just look for Sermon of the Week, Cornerstone Christian Center. If you would like to support our efforts financially, you have the opportunity to give at cccbasalt.com forward slash give.